0: Welcome to Being Honest with My Ex. My ex is Peter C. Haywood.
1: My ex is SJ, better known as Honor Eastley.
0: We were engaged for two years and, and then, then we, we broke up, up <laughs> and then we stopped talking to each other for a year and now we do a podcast together. Would you have a baby with me?
1: If I can get you to cry next podcast, we'll have a hat trick. <laughs>
0: You don't know this, but I have a very vivid image of what your penis looks like. What? (laughs) If I met you now, I do not think that I would go out with you. Oh my god,
1: I think if I met you now, I'd I'd fall more in love with you than I did the first time. Hey crew, Peter here, just letting you know that this is part one of a two-parter about dieting and food and body image. And if that kind of thing makes you uncomfortable, then this is probably not the episode for you. Otherwise, enjoy. I was stuck in
0: a thunderstorm the other day. There was a really big thunderstorm in Melbourne and I went swimming at the very moment that it started. Great idea. (sighs) And everything was wet. Couldn't drive on the roads because they were flooded. I went down there afterwards. It's just rubbish all through the trees because the water level was that high. But it made me realise again how much I'm afraid of dying now. Didn't used to be as afraid of dying. What happened? Well, we were driving and we were driving through like a fucking thunderstorm on the highway and every now and then you'd hit a puddle and water would be everywhere or there'd be a truck next to you. I think you're
1: answering a different question. What changed to make you now afraid of dying where you weren't previously?
0: Oh, oh, I want to not die. I know that sounds like a stupid...
1: (laughs) A little bit tautological. That
0: sounds like a stupid answer, but I like my life most of the time and... I'm so glad. I...
1: I'm very glad you're alive.
0: (laughs) And I don't want to miss out on it. Aww. Yeah, no, like this is... I've been wanting to write something about it because I realized in the last one to two years, like I'm afraid of dying in a way that I wasn't before. In a
1: very positive way.
0: Yeah, in a really positive way. Because previously I remember wishing that I had cancer or could die in a way that was... Not easy, but, you know...
1: You you wanted it to be over.
0: Yeah. I wasn't afraid of death in the same way. I thought that that was inevitable and it would be great if that decision was made for me. And I don't feel that way anymore, so I fear death a lot more. So I get really angsty. (laughs) And I had to be like, I'm sorry, we're having a conversation in this car right now, but I cannot concentrate on it because I am terrified of dying in this. Yeah, (laughs) I just, I am terrified. And, yeah, that's relatively new to me. Also, I just keep hearing about more people having freak accidents and I'm just like, no, I like my fingers and my face and the rest of me that I'm just so appreciative that I'm able-bodied and I have capacity to do things and I'm living. A life ahead of you. Yeah, I have a life that I am excited about living most of the time when I'm not crippled with anxiety about whether to have children or if there's going to be a total calamity around climate change and what I'll do with no discernible skills. (laughs) Genuinely something I think about pretty often. And then I think maybe I should start learning how to create a fire.
1: Maybe you should just go to medical school.
0: No, that's that's part of it. When I think about climate change, I'm like, maybe I should go to medical school because then at least I'll have a skill. So if it turns out like the fourth movie of the Hunger Games, at least I'll be (laughs) a useful member of society in the post-apocalyptic world. Genuinely a thought I've had, which I've not really shared that much. I've only shared it with one person, I think, and they said, screw a medical degree, work out how to grow food for yourself. And I was like, ooh.
1: If the apocalypse happens, I'm just going to rely on being very charming. Really? And a good leader. I'm a good leader. And I can make board games.
0: Hmm, I'm not sure that that's going to matter.
1: You don't know.
0: I'm worried about what's going to happen.
1: I think we'll be fine. Okay. I would focus on getting rich. I think once you're rich, you can get away with a lot more.
0: When you're rich, you can go to Mars or whatever.
1: (laughs) Yeah, just like build a fucking fortress. And then when the apocalypse comes, you'll have a fortress full of food. And like manservants. Topless, hot manservants.
0: (sighs) Although that does sound good. I think that I would need a way to make food.
1: If you buy a lot of food, you're fine.
0: It makes me go like, you know how everyone's like, oh, those off-gridders or those whatever they're called, people with bomb shelters and who store away, what are they called? Survivalists. Survivalists. Yeah. I'm like, I get it. <laughs> like, <laughs> particularly when you like, depending on what you consume.
1: To a certain degree right now, you're making a Second Amendment argument of like, of course people should be allowed to have guns.
0: Oh, no, I don't.
1: Think about it. Follow the train of thought down.
0: Wait, and why should people have guns?
1: Because if, if the world goes to shit, a gun is going to be really, really handy for survival.
0: I mean, for hunting.
1: Also for stopping like the people from coming in and, and taking you.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah, but it's way more useful if just no one has guns.
1: <laughs> you know there's more guns in Australia than people?
0: Where? Where are they hiding them? <laughs> I have seen so many Uh, people and so few guns, like almost none.
1: So I've actually been thinking a lot about a fear of dying lately, because I think, as you know, I've always been terrified of death because I am just such a fundamentally happy person. Like, I genuinely love basically every moment of my life.
0: Was that one of our fundamental incompatibilities?
1: I don't think so. I think it's just a fact. Okay. If I could live forever, I would live forever. I absolutely would. That would be amazing. The one thing that makes me not feel like living forever is a Wait But Why post, which is obviously the best blog on the internet, where he talks about very, very large numbers. Have you read that?
0: Graham's number?
1: Yeah, he talks about that among other numbers.
0: No, I haven't read it.
1: (laughs) Uh, It's really good. He just basically talks about numbers so large that we can't conceive them and how we can start to get an understanding of it. And he's obviously a very, very talented writer and he really like gets the idea of these numbers across in a really effective way because the largest numbers that we have a way of mathematically conveying could not be written if you wrote 100,000 digits on every atom in the universe.
0: Jesus Christ, that's... Yeah,
1: they're numbers that are so large that if they existed in any physical form, they would immediately end the entire universe because of the sheer amount of matter that would have to exist for them to be in existence. And at the end of that, he talks about this and he's like, so when you think about the concept of infinity, compared to infinity, this number is a drop in the bucket. That is the one thing that makes me not want to live forever because that is such an insanely intimidating amount of time.
0: Yeah, like, what the... Whoa, so much stuff. Could've... Yeah. What
1: happened? And so uh I might not want to live infinitely, but if I had a choice between like living infinitely and dying at 100, I'd probably choose living infinitely and just regret it for infinity. But one of the tricks to living as long as you can. Wait
0: a, minute, wait a minute! Does that mean you can't even opt out? Like, what if you could live forever, but then like you chose not to
1: end at any point? Yeah, I would definitely choose that option. Yes.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a great option. It would just be very hard to decide to. Yeah,
1: you'd be like, look, if in a hundred thousand billion years I still want to die, I'll do it then.
0: Exactly, that's, yeah.
1: Despite that, I want to live for as long as I can. And one of the tricks to living for as long as you can is to be healthy.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, that fucking sucker.
1: Yeah, so, like, one of the obvious examples of death is uh, cancer. If you get cancer, it can be fatal, and people who are physically healthy are much less likely to get cancer and much more likely to recover from it when they get it. Yes. And so, like... Being healthy expands your lifespan in a bunch of different ways because, for example, it reduces your chance of cancer and it increases your chance of surviving cancer. Yes. I was just sick for almost three weeks straight.
0: Yes, very unhealthy.
1: And while I was sick, I went off my diet and did not move. I just lay in bed and Lucy brought me biscuits and spaghetti and Chinese and I just ate those and watched Infinite TV.
0: Lucy is the fucking best. You are
1: correct. Lucy is the fucking best.
0: I used to be so annoying when you were sick. In fact, so annoying that I don't even want to talk about it. I'm not sure why I put it.
1: <laughs> and the thing about lying in a very stationary position, eating a lot of things that are bad for you, is that you put on weight. So I, today, for the first time that I can ever remember, weighed myself.
0: How much do you weigh?
1: How much do you think I weigh?
0: 85 kilos.
1: 83 kilos.
0: Ah, oh, I was like fucking close
1: (laughs) and i think that's roughly the most i've ever weighed i think once or twice i've been a little bit heavier than that but i have a very particular frame as well i only put on weight on my torso on your
0: belly on
1: my belly and my boobs and my dad's the same way and my dad is quite large and he has insanely skinny arms like arms that are skinnier than mine but from the side looks a little bit like a pregnant woman and i don't say that to be like oh i mean like literally that's a little bit what he looks like that's the way that i put on weight in that same way are you, are you laughing silently so that people listening to this don't think you're a bad person? Are you nodding <laughs> <Yes>. so that?
0: <laughs> I don't know why I'm, I'm not sure why I'm laughing. Something, something about that description. really. We can just cut this whole bit.
1: We could. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I genuinely don't know why I laughed at that.
1: The thing about putting on weight in the way that I do is that is the worst possible way to put on weight because all of the fat is close to your heart and fat getting into your heart is what causes death.
0: Can I just say, I think I was laughing because I was just thinking about like, you're just so shameless about how you talk about stuff. You say something like that and I'm like, wow, I would not talk about my dad that way, even though he never would listen to this podcast. Also, my dad is so fucking fit. Holy shit. Yeah,
1: He goes on like bike marathons.
0: So we did these health tests, whether you measure your blood pressure and your height, your weight, and blah, 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 blah. And everyone did them over Christmas except me and my sister because, well, can't speak for my sister, but I was like, I don't want everyone to see and everyone was watching. And I was like, go away. But Corinne, who's super fit, got a 9.0 out of 10. My dad got 9.5. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, okay, it's given, it's like compared to other people of your gender and age.
1: That's still impressive.
0: But still, 9.5, like holy fucking shit. Dad.
1: Yeah. So yeah, being overweight in the way that I am overweight, and I looked it up today and I'm officially now overweight, which is really weird for me. I have this weird kind of dysmorphia where I don't understand how my body looks. Yeah. And I'm now officially overweight. And for 2017, I want to take a selfie every day because I, I felt a little bit disconnected from a lot of my friends and family in Australia. And I feel like I didn't take as many photos in 2016 as I wanted to. So I'm trying to take a selfie every day just of like who I'm with and what I'm doing and all the cool things in my life.
0: Have you thought about doing the one second every day thing?
1: Yeah, it's not really interesting to me. Okay. And one of these selfies, Lucy and I looked at and we were like, oh... I have gotten like quite large, like you don't notice in person because it's gradual, but looking at that photo, we were both independently, like we weren't looking at it together. We're like, oh, Peter has put on weight.
0: You were looking at a recent photo? Or... Yeah, a
1: photo that I took like two days ago. We looked at it the next day and was like, oh, Peter, Peter is big. And I was talking to some of my friends who'd hung out with me that day and they're like, yeah, we kind of noticed that you've gotten a bit big. Wow. What?
0: I can't imagine my friends saying that to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: you have a very different relationship with people than I do. True. You guys all lie to each other all the time.
0: Mm, I don't think that that's...
1: (laughs) And so I am dieting. Okay. (laughs) What does that noise mean?
0: That's my response to the word dieting. What kind of diet are you doing?
1: I'm doing keto, which is my favorite diet. But normally when I do keto, I do this really kind of ramshackle keto where I just eat a bunch of meat with fat on it and I lose weight. It's really good for that. So keto, if you don't know, is a very, very, very low carb diet less than 20 grams of carbs a day, you get most of your energy from fat. And so it's a very meat heavy diet. And it's like a lot of eggs and uh, and fatty meats, basically. And I love it because I love fatty meats. Uh, my weakness is sweets. So like biscuits and or cookies, if you're American and chocolate and all that, like if that is around, I will just eat it literally like nonstop. I have no self-control when it comes to sweets. Keto is really good because it just cuts sweet out as an option. And if it's not an option, I don't consider it. Like I don't have that lack of self-control because that's not even a possibility.
0: Yeah, sure. You just narrow your food vision. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's very myopic. Is that how that word works? No idea. My friend used myopic a bunch the other day and I was like, that's such a smart word. I don't quite know what it means, but I'm going to start using it.
0: (laughs) Should we look up whether you're right? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Short-sighted or lacking foresight or intellectual insight? Yeah,
1: sure. I'll take that. Uh, and so I like keto because it cuts sweets out of my life. My other favorite food is fatty meats and I just get to eat as many of them as I like. And also when you're on keto, you don't get hungry in the way that you do when you're eating a normal diet.
0: Why? Wait on, how is the hungry different?
1: Because hunger is quite often your blood sugar dropping and being like, give me food now. And you know, you can sometimes get a little bit faint or lightheaded when you haven't eaten.
0: Yes, I am aware.
1: That's often because your blood sugar is low. With keto, your blood sugar is really not affected by your food because there's no sweets going in there. There's no carbs, there's no sucrose, there's no glucose. And so your body quickly gets used to this idea that there's just no sugar coming. And so it keeps your blood sugar level at a steady rate all day?
0: Oh, rather than it changing around yeah. and stuff
1: so when when you eat a really carb heavy meal it spikes your blood sugar and then after it spikes it'll drop really heavily and so you'll be like oh my god i need to eat now and you'll eat something very carby and it'll spike and then it'll drop and it's a nightmare whereas this way i could just like not think about food
0: is that what like glycemic index is about
1: i think so and so i like keto because it stabilizes my blood sugar it cuts sweets out of my diet and it's all fatty meats However, normally when I do keto, I just don't even look at the calories or anything like that. I just eat whenever I feel like eating and it's all fatty meats. And I either lose weight or I maintain a pretty steady weight. This time I am doing it a little bit differently and I'm doing keto plus soylent.
0: Oh God. Yeah. Okay. So there's a
1: company called Keto One and they do basically the equivalent of soylent shakes, but they're ketogenic. And so for the next week at least, I'm just going to do nothing but keto shakes and see how that goes.
0: Wow. Wow. So what's your relationship with this food when you do these things? Like sexually? Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We've talked about this in the past. My ideal relationship with food is just not having to think about it. I like Soylent for that reason because I'm like, oh, I should eat. I will make a Soylent thing in like 20 seconds and chug it down and I'm done.
0: Can you explain what Soylent is? Oh, yeah.
1: So do you you want to explain what Soylent is?
0: Uh, It's people.
1: (laughs) Do you even know what that means?
0: Yeah, Soylent Green is People. It's from a famous book. You
1: know what the book is called?
0: No. No, I don't know.
1: It's called Soylent Green.
0: The, The book is called Soylent Green? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Soylent Green is People is the twist at the end of the book, which got adapted into a film.
0: Yes, there we go. There we go.
1: And so Soylent is quite a funny name for this product, which is?
0: It's like a meal replacement shake thing. Yes. But it has all of the nutritional stuff that you need. Is that right? Yeah.
1: I actually followed it like way before it exploded. Someone sent me the blog post a few hours after it went up. If you go back to like this old blog where he first announced Soylent, I think I have like one of the first comments because I was so interested by the idea. Yeah. The idea is that he looked at the literal nutrients that your body needs to survive. Instead of getting them from a variety of food that you can't really control the proportions, let's work out exactly what you need. Literally take those things in their raw component form and put them together in something that you can consume. And that way you just don't have to think about food.
0: This is very unscientific, but I was talking to someone the other day who was saying that there's something with Soylent that you can't, like, pull it back to just its raw nutrient ingredients and that sometimes you need to get those things in combination with some other shit or something, something, something. Yeah,
1: the natural health movement really, really hates Soylent. And they're like, no, the body needs food. The body knows when it's food. And the counter-argument is, like, how and why? And if you can scientifically show that, great. But there have now been, like, people documented as living on Soylent for literally years with no ill effects.
0: Oh my God. I absolutely would not want to do that unless we were in a post-apocalyptic world. And then (laughs) I would be a doctor or someone who is good at growing food.
1: So keto one is basically keto Soylent. And yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just having those. This is my first day of it. And the first day of transitioning to Soylent is always a bit of a nightmare because your body, it's a bit of a shock. Yeah. Going from like bulky food to very minute liquid food. And also it's a big body shock going from a normal diet to a keto diet.
0: Yeah.
1: And so I'm at the moment just a little bit like. Oh,
0: is that why you're so much fun today?
1: (laughs) Uh, A little bit manic. I'm just curious to see how it'll go. I can't stay on toilet long term. I've tried this in the past and my body, different people have different needs in the sense. I think I've talked about this before, but like. I have a friend who cannot eat leftovers. If she's eaten a meal in the last week, she does not want that meal again. I have some people who can just eat the same thing every day for a year and not even care. Yeah. I am somewhere in between the two. Yeah. I can have Soylent for two meals a day without a problem, but after a while I go crazy and I just need some like variety. So I'm going to try a week of just Soylent and then after that I'm going to go back to like two meals of Soylent and then one actual meaty meal. Yeah. The good thing about Keto One is that it comes with a little vitamin pack so you know that you're getting everything that your body needs. And it's calculated to be like, I think it's exactly your nutrient requirements and I'm going to have slightly less and that'll help me lose weight. Also, keto is really good for losing weight because of the, it affects your metabolism.
0: How does it affect your metabolism? I don't know. I assume it increases your metabolism? I
1: think so. I can't remember the exact way that it works, but normally when we eat, our body is like, man, there is a lot of stuff coming in. Let's store a lot of this as fat. With keto, your body is only living on fat. Yeah. And so it's just like, I need food. Oh, there's all this fat here. That is my food source at the moment. Let's go. I think that is almost certainly totally wrong. (laughs) I looked it up like three, four years ago, and I can't remember what I found. When we were dating, I I did a bunch of research.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, because you started doing it when we were dating.
1: Yeah.
0: Your relationship with food was one of our major ongoing problems, if you remember.
1: Yeah, I do. I do recall.
0: Yep, that's it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did that answer your question?
0: What was my question?
1: What's my relationship with food when I'm on keto?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, yours sounds really simple.
1: That's how I like it. My my plan is to lose all of this excess weight and then start going to the gym more and actually like build health Change instead of muscle. just like removing unhealth.
0: I remember someone once described this podcast as a conversation with someone who's all nuance and someone who's no nuance <laughs> and them trying to agree on things.
1: <laughs> we do a pretty good job of agreeing on things if you think about it.
0: I think we do a pretty good job of agreeing to disagree on a bunch of things.
1: (laughs) That might be true.
0: (laughs) I have a, I I don't know, I think a reasonably complicated relationship with food. I have a very conflicted relationship with dieting. And your body. And my body. Yeah. It's something I've been thinking about a lot lately because I... Have just been feeling really self conscious about my body. And I have, there's a bunch of sort of opposing beliefs that make it kind of confusing to know what to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Let me see if I can name a few of them. So these ones are more simple, the first ones, which is being healthy will help you live longer. So there's that one.
1: Which you now consider to be a good thing.
0: Yes, I would like to live longer. That sounds good. Again, that's not necessarily to do with like how much you weigh. It's a, that's a bigger thing about health than... Um,
1: I think that every body positive movement agrees that exercise is good for you no matter what. Yeah. I don't think there's anyone out there being like exercise, that'll kill you. I think that it is no matter where you stand on the body positive conversation spectrum issues, everyone agrees that exercise is good for you
0: yeah totally but I mean I just mean like there's this thing that's around health and that thing is like separate to body image and what I look like but it's like I would like to achieve good health so that I can live longer and also I'm just getting to that age where things are starting to hurt a bit more
1: yeah yeah I hear you.
0: and I know that my friends who are older than me are telling me that once they were over 30 that's when they really realize it and I'm I would like to sort of pride myself on being a person who worries about things years before most other people do.
1: <laughs> it's a strange thing to pride yourself on.
0: <laughs> Genuinely, I've noticed that that is a pattern within myself. Yeah. I worried about my year 12 VCE exams when I was in grade 6. <laughs> like I was a 12-year-old, inconsolable and terrified, of my year 12 exams, having no concept of what they would even look like.
1: Yeah,
0: Like I started worrying about having kids two, three years ago when I still have like 10 years of being able to have kids, which, you know, most of my friends are starting to do that now. I haven't solved any problems. <laughs>
1: but you've, you've got a, just... a solid couple of years of worrying about them in.
0: Yes, exactly. I've got a couple of years on them. And I've started my new obsession, my new worry, 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 wobsession? (laughs) No. No. Wobsession? Can't make it work. (laughs) My new worry obsession is my health uh, because I know that I'm getting a bit older and I would, I'd like to stay healthy because that would make my life more pleasant and I will live longer.
1: Also mental health in your 60s and 70s is most influenced by your physical health in your 20s and 30s
0: okay, I didn't know it was you who told me this because I have that in my head and I keep replaying that fact back to myself and I'm like, I really must look into that more because I have this idea of I'm 27 and I need to be healthy before I'm 30.
1: Probably a good idea no matter what.
0: Probably a good idea no matter what. There's no
1: situation in which that's a bad idea. Especially as cancer risk increases, the healthier you are in body, the less likely cancer is to hit you.
0: Yeah, I'm also not... I don't think I'm really unhealthy.
1: No, I don't think so either. I'm very unhealthy at the moment because winter in Canada means you stay inside all the time. Two weeks sick means that you lie in bed all day. And right before I got back, I was in America for a bit of a month and just like ate American food the whole time. And that is, that is not a good time for your body. Bad idea.
0: So anyway, there's that thing about health, which is unrelated to body image, which is like, I would like to be healthy. And then I have this one next to it. And this one's probably more complicated. I would like to look attractive. And then that's just like huge. That's just a huge thing. What is attractive?
1: You can't be attractive to everyone. Am I attractive to myself?
0: Yeah, like does that matter? Will you
1: ever achieve a point where you feel attractive no matter what?
0: Do I agree with cultural ideas of what's attractive? Is that a useful standard to hold myself to? The answer is no.
1: answer is complicated.
0: <laughs> the answer is complicated, but in the end it's kind of no. Yeah.
1: I know you're going to take this the right way. You don't have the kind of body that means that you can ever fit the mainstream definition of extremely attractive. I think, and I've said this to you many times, I think you are one of the most attractive people in the world. I think you're insanely attractive in every aspect. Wow. But like the mainstream preference is not your body type.
0: Uh, It depends what kind of mainstream you're looking at. I agree with you, but also what's mainstream attractive in Latin America is different to what's mainstream attractive in Vogue magazine, which is different to what's attractive in Korea, you know, like, and what's different to what's attractive in porn. Like it changes, but as a white creative woman, I feel like what's mainstream attractive in my circle is like people who are quite slender. St. Vincent. Yeah. Like St. Vincent.
1: Taylor Swift.
0: Yeah, people who are really slender but who have a bit of boobs but not really big boobs and who, like, can wear designer kind of clothes. Yeah. Because I can't wear a lot of designer clothes because...
1: You're allergic to them.
0: They make me... Because I'm allergic to them. They make come out in a really
1: them. ugly rash. Yeah. <laughs> it's the names.
0: I feel like I look frumpy in them because, like, anything that's a sack just, like, doesn't really work.
1: Are there a lot of designer sacks?
0: Well, there's a lot of... Designer clothes that really look best on people who have body shapes similar to the models that are in the lookbooks. Yeah. Which is people who don't have boobs and who don't...
1: Who don't have curves.
0: I have like a... I can't even remember because I haven't bought a new bra in so long, but like an F. You
1: have like a million boobs.
0: I have like an F cup bra. I think it's F. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's F. And um, most people don't know that. I was talking to Lucy before we recorded this. At the moment, I'm wearing just a bra and some shorts. And you're like, "Hey, yeah, you've got cleavage. And I was like, yeah, I do. And Lucy was like, yeah, you've got cleavage. And I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> like Most people don't know that because no one sees me with cleavage because I feel really uncomfortable <laughs> you know about it. You know I've naked, yeah? <laughs> I know you've seen me naked. To kind of explain why I feel uncomfortable about that part of my body is like last time I went out really and had a lot of cleavage I went to a Nicki Minaj concert I wore a bra and a corset and a skirt and shoes <laughs> and <knickers. laughs> thinking like it's a Nicki Minaj concert this must have been in like 2000
1: and it's 2011 or two... no it's 2012
0: yeah 2012 yeah This is before Nicki Minaj was really big. And I went to this concert thinking, it's Nicki Minaj. Surely everyone's going to dress up. You know, it's going to be heaps of fun. It turns out that mostly it was mothers with their teenage preteen daughters, which (laughs) was very strange to me, actually. I'd never been to a concert like that before.
1: Like a mainstream pop concert?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I had a number of people trying to take photos of my boobs. Or, I mean, I don't know, try and take photos of me whilst pretending that they were taking photos of their friends. Yeah. Or like someone standing next to me pretending to be checking their phone but actually taking a photo of my chest. Or like people in front of me pretending they were taking a photo of two friends but leaving a gap in between the two friends, which was exactly where my chest was. It was just like, it was really, really, really uncomfortable. And then I left the concert with my friend, and the concert happened to end at the same time that...
1: Football game ended.
0: The football match ended. So it was like Nicki Minaj fans and football fans all walking down. (laughs) The only way of getting out is down this one path. And I was walking along. I had a jacket on, but these group of guys had noticed me, and I assume noticed that I had a lot of cleavage because I was just wearing a bra. And even though I was wearing a jacket as well, anyway, and kept circling around me, like walking fast to go ahead of me, then standing and standing still, turning around to look at me and then go back to their friends and laugh and talk about it and then do it again to the point that I had to – I felt so uncomfortable. I had my friend stand in front of me and I put my arms around his shoulders so that we were like walking in a line because I just didn't want people to look – yeah. I didn't want them to look at me like that.
1: I just want to interject. Do you remember you're, you're missing a detail that like, it doesn't justify anyone's behavior, but it does slightly sure. change the context slightly. Your nipples were clearly visible. Were they? Yeah. You, you weren't wearing a bra. You were wearing like this semi-transparent top and a corset. So you, your breasts were over the top of the corset, but under this thing. So that like, it wasn't that you were showing cleavage. It's that you were showing boob.
0: No, I had a bra on.
1: I dropped you off at this thing, and I distinctly remember being like, "You know, people can see like both of your entire nipples and everything." And you're like, "Yeah, it's an Nicki Minaj concert. Everyone will be just like this."
0: Wow, I don't remember that. I remember the bra.
1: It does not in any way justify people being a dick, but it does change the context a little bit. People are not like, "What is this cleavage?" They're like, "Oh, we can absolutely see this girl's tits."
0: Wow, wow, that changes that story. I still don't know if I believe you, but do
1: you have photos of the event? (laughs)
0: Somewhere,
1: I I could be misremembering it, but I because we were dating at the time, I dropped you off at the concert, and I think I might have picked you up again afterwards. And you told me this story at the time, and yeah, I just remember like you went to this. This is not justifying the behaviour, assholes, but you went out in public with your boobs on display, and then got really surprised at the level of attention that you got.
0: Yeah, I was really surprised by the level. Maybe I didn't know.
1: M- I I told you before, (laughs) like, this is all, this is all like six years ago memories. So I could be entirely misremembering this, but yeah.
0: You could be thinking that you said that out loud,
1: but you said it in your head. Entirely possible.
0: Who knows? Well, anyway, regardless of what actually happened, that has informed (laughs) the last five years of my life. (laughs) And means that I just don't wear cleavage. And whenever I do, people always comment on it or look at my chest. So it doesn't happen very often. I think I did it once at Slut Walk. Maybe a couple of times. But yeah, just really not very often. And that harks back to, like, I feel like I have this body which is sexualized and I can't wear a tank top without people noticing my boobs. I feel like I can't do that without being seen as a sex object, if that makes sense.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: And that makes me really uncomfortable, actually, which is why... Like, I hardly ever wear
1: cleavage. I think show cleavage. <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> Rather than, like, chopping off someone else's and wearing it.
0: Put it on the top. <laughs> um, <laughs> sometimes when I sleep with people and I take off my top, they're like, oh, wow, you have, wow, I didn't even know. And I was like, yeah, you get really good at, like, hiding it yeah. in a way where mostly people don't
1: notice. A little bonus for them.
0: Mm, That's not what it's about. <laughs> I mean, I think that's why I kind of like that there's now s- stars that are. I don't know if this is the actual truth, but I feel like in the last mm, five to ten years, there have been more celebrities that have a very sexy figure, like Kim Kardashian. Katy Perry. Yeah, Katy Perry, but like Kim Kardashian and Nicki Minaj that are very. Curvaceous. S- curvaceous. <sighs> But I still think there's this interesting intersection between those different types of body types, race and class.
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: Because the androgynous, very slender is often really associated with like white, rich women. Like particularly if you think of Rachel Zoe, pretty sure I'm getting that name right, who was the person who styled like the Olsen twins and people like that years ago and I don't know if I'm just more outside of the mainstream now, but there was a lot of very thin people and that was the look. And I always looked at that stuff and I was like, I don't like, I don't have that body. And the reason why I have such a fraught relationship with dieting, which I'm now really find really difficult because I want to be healthy. So I want to like, I want to be mindful of what I eat and all that kind of stuff. But I also find it really conflicted because I used to obsessively diet and Kind of obsessively exercise. Without
1: finding that moderation.
0: And I find that moderation very difficult to achieve because I know that if I try and lose, if I try and diet, it's impossible to take the weight, body image, cultural context out of it. Because as soon as I see that my body is changing in a way that is going to be culturally valorized, I start getting into a competition with myself. If that makes sense. To try
1: to accomplish that ideal, in quotes, body.
0: Yeah, totally. I went back home over Christmas and went and looked at all these photos of myself from years ago. And I was like, wow, I was like quite a lot smaller than I am now. And I don't look at those things and be like, oh, I wish I was... Because I also know that I was like really.
1: You had a really unhealthy relationship with it.
0: Yeah. And I was having a really shit time. And that was this really, really big thing in my life that obsession with those things it's funny that I've been in therapy for like however like over a decade I've hardly ever talked about my relationship with food I've been to hundreds of hours of therapy I think because there's a lot for me and I think for a lot of people who have those experiences there's a lot of secrecy around it because if people find out then they'll Start wanting to intervene. (laughs) And I used to have a lot of arguments with a partner that I lived with when I was going through some of this stuff. And he was, you know, he was concerned about me. He was like, hey, look, you know, you don't need to do these things. You look really great. You're getting really stressed about these things. You're only eating broccoli for dinner. I'm worried about you. And I would always be like, no, I need to lose five kilos when I get there then this will stop
1: (laughs) and it never did
0: (laughs) no it didn't it did not do that
1: hey guys just peter here dropping in to let you know that we'll be back next week with the second part of this two-parter and to give thanks to lance turnbull our amazing editor for his edit work you can now find us on facebook at facebook.com being honest with my ex or if you want to join the bmx band discussion group facebook.com slash groups slash being honest with my ex every week we post a thread about the thing and you can discuss it Uh, the difference between a page and a group is cool and exciting and you can find out by going to the links in the show notes if you want to support the show there's a few ways you can do it but one of the most useful is just sending it to your friends so if you have friends let them know what your favorite episode is we have a new listeners guide up now at being honest with my ex.com slash new listeners and that'll give people a crash course in the show so they don't have to listen to 60 episodes before they have any idea what's going on But if you have a friend that you want to send this to, that would be amazing. And if you have no friends, come join the Facebook group and make new and exciting friends. Thanks for listening.